Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Okie dokie. Welcome to Revolution. It's good to see all your friendly, familiar faces. I, uh... I lost my physical Bible. Um, I, I moved. I had a small move. I, I moved rooms like my old roommate left. And so I, I moved into his old room because he bequeathed me his bed. I didn't have a bed for a while. So he moved out and I, I left his bed in his room and I moved all my stuff to his room. And now I don't, I can't find my Bible. I got lost in the like 20 foot move. So, but I'm going to be working from my, uh, my, little iPhone that Brian gave me. Thank you, Brian. Um, so I'll try to keep up looking up scripture as we go along here. But uh, yeah, so uh, I'm Caleb. Jay isn't here today. He he is out and about taking care of himself, which is great. Um, so yeah, sometimes he asks me to talk when he's not here. Um, the Lord put something on my heart. We're going to talk about Satan today. <laughs> but uh, maybe Satan put it on my heart. Who knows? But I was thinking, um, I haven't really told this story here before, and I feel it's kind of, it's you know, it's kind of silly using terms like the Lord put it on my heart, or, like the Holy Spirit moved me, but like it's, it's just been on my mind. All it is is it's just been on my mind recently, like how trippy it is that I'm here in Minneapolis because uh, I was born and raised in Kentucky. I moved to Kansas, and uh and then I found out about Jay Baker. Uh, I'm big into podcasts and stuff like that. Listen to Revolution Church podcast, and it's funny. I think it came to my mind because last week he was talking about Tillich, uh, his sermon that, as of this recording, dropped today is called "Accepted" with a question mark. Accepted? Shrug your shoulders. Uh, but it's he. He pretty much just read from a Tillich sermon and talked through that, and that's how I first found out about Jay was was listening to um, some podcasts where he was reading through Tillich sermons and kind of commenting on it. And, um, and then I saw his, uh, I think it was it Grace Hill, the sermon he gave there when he first came out as being affirming. And it just kind of blew my mind. And I grew up, you know, knowing about PTL, about his, his parents' uh, televangelism efforts and things like that. And um, it just really blew my mind. And so I, I had a degree in audio engineering and, and recording arts or whatever. And, uh, and I, I just, I made a very impulsive decision, probably the most impulsive decision I've ever made in my life to move up here and just try to meet Jay. I moved up here and crashed with some family. I happen to have family in Minnesota, even though I've never lived here. And, uh, and I, uh, just contacted Jay and now I'm, Sitting up here, filling in for him every once in a while, and 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 uh, producing all the, all of his talks and stuff, and and the afterglow stuff, and it's just—I don't say that to pat myself on the back. Like it was the most, like I said, the most impulsive decision I think I've ever made, but worked out. Um, it's just wild. It's just—it's just a trip, man. It was that could have gone very poorly, honestly, but but here I am. So, anywho, uh, yeah, we're talking about Satan today, and. I wasn't really sure how to approach this one. At first, I thought I had it down pat. And I was just telling Brian and Kurt uh, before we started that uh, this might this could easily be like a series or something like that. Um, 
there's a lot of different takes on Satan. And Kurt and I hung out this past week and talked about, like, I guess tangential. We talked about, you know, the, the church of Satan. Um, Hail Satan, question mark. Is that the name of the documentary? The Satanic Temple, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is pretty much just a humanist uh, kind of offshoot, I, I think. Is that fair? We can talk about that more in the afterglow, but yeah. Um, it's not Satan worshipers. There's no sacrificing goats or anything like that. But uh, uh, anyway, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to approach this. There's the Miltonian there's Milton's Paradise Lost. There's that take on Satan as uh, almost an advocate for humans, as uh, yeah, as an advocate, I guess. Um, and then there's also the idea, even in evangelicalism, that Satan is you know created by God, by a uh, almost a Calvinistic God, um, and is an essential force in the universe, you know, like almost, almost like gravity or something. And I remember just being raised Southern Baptist. Like it was almost like, like this is something that needs to exist. Like there needs to be temptation. Otherwise we're just a bunch of robots walking around or whatever. And, and, you know, Satan's often seen as, as evil, but then in my readings this past week, when I decided to talk about this, I feel like Satan isn't, I'm not, I'm not pitching Satan as a good guy or anything like that, but, but, I don't think Satan, it doesn't seem like Satan is the opposite of God. If God is love, I don't think Satan is necessarily evil incarnate. Um, oh man, I'm not realizing how bad this sounds. It's like I'm, it's like I'm uh, on Satan's, I'm like uh, pitching Satan. I'm not doing that. But it's just, it's an interesting character in this story, in this, in this mythos uh, of the Bible. Um, I actually have a lot of stuff from the old Testament here. I'm just going to get, I've been rambling a lot. I'm just going to get to this, I guess. So I guess I'm going to ramble a little bit more. Uh, so Pete gave a talk at revolution years ago when revolution was in New York, uh, about virtual entities, about things that are, that are real because we decide they're real. Okay. And then that's some abstract language, but it's almost, it's like, I think the best example that connected with me was like something like justice, Okay, so justice isn't a tangible object, but because a group of people decides it's real, because we decide to uphold this, because we all kind of uh, it, we all sign up for it and and all choose to participate in it, it is you know it it is effectively real. And I think that things like metaphysical things like Satan are also virtual entities because. I mean, you can say that even about demon possession. If there's a group of people who decide that, that demons are real and that there are demonic forces in the world, if someone maybe has a mental health issue or something like that, then they'd say you know, that that's a demonic thing. And, and to them, in, in their collective reality, in, the, in, in what they agree on as a worldview, that's real. And you could even say that about mental health, maybe. Like, the, you can't touch that, but, but because we decide that is a thing, we all participate in it, it effectively is real. And so I think that you could argue that, that Satan is something like that because we have a, a shared common vocabulary. And, and so two people, especially in, in, a, in a group, to those people, if that thing is real, then effectively it is real. So anyways, let's get on with, with the scriptures. So um, I guess the, historically the first account of Satan is in Job, just because that's the oldest 
book of the Bible. Of course, Satan's all over Genesis 2. Um, and sometimes Satan kind of seems, he's, you know, comes up first in, in Genesis anyways as, uh, I, I guess, a good guy, maybe. Like, you know, the bearer of light, Lucifer. Um, and he questions God. All, all throughout Scripture, Satan, Satan's questioning God, I guess, um, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but I wonder if Satan maybe is a, is a this is, I don't, I wish I had more solid answer. I was a lot more confident when I started writing this than I am now, honestly. I feel like there's a lot of questions around this, but Satan's almost like a response to God. If God is love, he's not hate. He's not like out just like ripping shit apart and like straight up killing people. He's putting them He's he's posing questions as a character. I feel like, um, so yeah. Let's I guess let's just kind of go back to the beginning here and look at uh, let's look at Job. And I got to pull up my phone to get my my bibble. Um, so yeah, the story of Job. Brian, didn't you give a talk about Job? Yeah, it's a, it's a, I think it's a really important story, and there's a lot there. So Job. He's a rich guy. And essentially Satan comes to God in the story. You know, he 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 uh Job's a loving guy, a giving guy, a generous guy, and he's and he's really rich. And Satan's like, well, maybe he's only so loving and generous to people because he's had it so easy his whole life. And he and so he he challenges God after in this in this story, after being, you know, uh fallen and and hey man. Hey, dude. We got Jay in the house. See you, man. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> it's not going too well so far, Jay. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, he's, um, he's, yeah, he's questioning God. He's questioning, he's saying, you know, the only reason that this guy's sticking with you, the only reason this guy is, is loving people and stuff is because he hasn't been tested, I guess. And, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll read that here. Uh, the Lord asked, "This is okay. This is Job one, uh, verse eight. The Lord asked Satan, "Have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. That's big praise coming from the Creator. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil." And Satan said, "He said, yeah, but Job. It says yes, <laughs> yes, but Job has good reason to fear God. You've always put a wall of protection around him." and his home and his property. You made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and surely he'll curse you to your face. And I don't think this is like, the way that I can read this and get something from it, and I'm not saying that this is the reading, but like to me it's like, he's saying, uh, it, he wouldn't be such a nice guy, he wouldn't be so loving if he didn't have it so good. It's easy you know, you know, people get people get shady the worse off they are. Like, good people make bad decisions a lot of times, n- non-loving decisions when when they're having a hard time in life. And so I think Satan's just kind of a force saying, yeah, well, he's he's a nice guy. You know, he's a good man. He's he's loving because he's, he's never had a, a tough break. And so then it gets, like, this is, it gets intense here. So 
I'm not going to read all of this. Uh, it's a little bit redundant, but essentially, his uh, so so God's like, okay, yeah, let's let's test him, but don't hurt him, pretty much. And then his ox, you know, so his his livestock are out plowing, and they get raided and, and stolen. And then while so a messenger comes and tells him this, and then while that messenger is still speaking, this is verse sixteen. Another messenger arrived with this news: the fire of God has fallen from heaven. And burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. And then while he's saying this, he gets interrupted by another dude running in. So this all hits at once. While he was speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. So while this guy's speaking, another guy comes in and interrupts him. Verse 18. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting and their old brothers in their oldest brother's home, suddenly a powerful wind. So he's just getting he's just getting hit and rocked from all sides. Um, you know, pretty big pretty big test being put to old Job here. So I'm just wondering. I'm reading through this, thinking like, what is the role of this character of Satan? Like, what is he, what's his motivator here? Like, I guess he's maybe a force that's testing. That is that is questioning. I don't think that Satan is tempting people to doubt God, because I think I honestly think that in this in this book in this text, I think that God encourages doubt and 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 uh, in uncertainty and wrestling and and just honesty. I think that blind, almost ignorant commitment is not within the will of this of this benevolent creator and sustainer. Um, so anyway, I'll get to that in a second too, but to finish up with Job, so Job says, uh, I came naked from my mother's womb. I'll be naked when I leave. So he's not being materialistic there. He's not, being, he's not clinging to his possessions. Um, the Lord gave me what I had and has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. In all this, Job didn't sin by blaming God. And we kind of touched on this a little bit last week. I think that sin is, uh, you're hurting yourself and you're hurting others. I don't think it's violating an arbitrary rule. But so Job isn't, isn't hurting himself and isn't hurting others by being mad at, at the universe or at, you know, at God. Um, and, you know, I think we all, I think most of us here anyway are familiar with, with the story of Job and how that ends. Um, his friends are like, you know, screw this, this is messed up, man. And he's just like, well, you know, kind of like, let it be. You know, he's just like, this is, this is the hand I'm, I've been dealt. I've, I've, I've been lucky up until now, and, and now I'm being kind of tested. And um, surprise, surprise, God wins and Satan loses in that one. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think that Satan is, is, this is really just the question that I've been thinking about. Is like, in, in these stories, I don't think that Satan is, just there to tempt you to step out of line or anything like that. I think that I don't, I don't even know what my my thesis would be, but I I feel like he's more um, maybe putting you to the test, and that comes up in the in the New Testament also um, with Jesus specifically. But I think, like I was saying, I don't I don't think that Satan's there to tempt you to doubt. Because I think that is, I think that that is healthy from from personal experience and even from uh, from scripture. And I think the most classic example of that is in Genesis when Jacob 
wrestles with God, which I think is a great metaphor because I think something that maybe unites a lot of us is having having wrestled with God, having been kind of born into an inherited belief system and then saying, you know, I, I, I don't want to leave. I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. I don't want to leave this whole thing, but, you know, maybe I need to, to reevaluate things and, and wrestle, you know, and, and, and see where I end up. And even if I end up in a similar place, at least I've had the experience of questioning and doubting things. Um, I'll just read real quick here uh, from Genesis about Jacob here. So this is uh, Genesis thirty two twenty two, And this isn't about Satan specifically. This is more about me trying to validate the idea that, that wrestling with God is, is God's role and not this character of Satan. Um, so just a little bit of background here. Jacob, you know, he was the brother of Esau. He became Israel. He became the father of a nation or whatever. And uh, he's a big, big dude in the, in the Old Testament. And um, so he, he screwed over his brother. He uh, stole his birthright, you know, stole all his stuff, deceived their dad. And, um, and then so now he's trying to reconcile with, with Esau. He's, he's trying to be like, hey, man, I want to come back and come back into your life. He's sending him all these gifts, sending him all these messengers and being like, hey, Jacob's going to come visit you again. He wants to make things right. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, Genesis thirty-two twenty-two. during, okay, yeah, this is a little bit problematic. During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives. That's, that's a rough one there. Two servant wives, uh, his 11 sons and crossed the river with them. After taking the other side, he sends, okay, so he sends up a bunch of gifts to his brother. Then Jacob left alone in the camp and a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. So he's been, and, and, and up until now, Jacob's been like meeting with angels. Everywhere he goes, like angels come out to greet him. So he's literally like talking to God. And then God, this is, we find out, this is God or an angel that's coming down to, to fight him. When the man saw he would not win the match, the wrestling match here, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. And the man said, let me go. The dawn is breaking. So he kind of had to fight a little bit dirty against Jacob. Jacob's, taking him down. He, he knows God. He's like seen these angels face to face and now he's wrestling with one of them. And, and he says, I won't let you go unless you bless me. So he's not, been, he's not been in the right this whole time. He's made a lot of big mistakes, you know, arguably, I guess, sins against a God. And now he's, he's wrestling this angel face to face. And he says, you know, you got to bless me. I'm not going to let you go. He's got him like a sleeper hold or something, I guess. Uh, what's your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob. For now, you'll be called Israel because you fought with God and with men and have won. So he, you know, he, he wrestles with God. He's confronted with God and they wrestle. And then he does, he ends up getting blessed by this God that he's, that he's wrestled with. And so I just, that's kind of a little side tangent, but I feel like it's important to note that uh, this guy who's seen God face to face, essentially, you know, or seen angels face to face, wrestles with God, and 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 he's not cursed, but he's he ends up walking away blessed. So, I guess I'm just kind of systematically going through and, and and trying to figure out what the role of this of this Satan character is, and um, I don't think it's it's to make us doubt. Uh, I think tempting comes up an awful lot uh, in Matthew four. I was planning on reading this whole thing, but I don't think I will. I think I'm dilly-dallying too much. But uh, he, Satan, you know, meets Jesus in the desert and tempts him. And um, 
And 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 you know, Jesus isn't he's actually tempted. He's not automatically it's not like an automatic knee-jerk response where it's like no that's invalid or anything like that. It's an important time and I think it's important to also point out that up until that point Jesus hadn't embraced his call. He hadn't uh started his ministry which only lasted, you know, a, a few years, but like he he lived the majority of his life learning things and then he gets tempted face to face by this by this force by this Satan and um and realizes his mission he's put to the i guess he's put to the test and i think we see that too with job is is he's put to the test um and i i, I think it's also important to point out that you know hell is reserved for for satan and his angels for the devil and his angels in in these stories and i don't believe in a literal hell or anything like that but but as a i guess if we step into that role of pushing people and of of maybe not doubting the existence of a God, but of doubting love and of doubting the ability of people to persevere through things and of of doubting maybe a rich person's aptitude to be benevolent, like with Job, or of doubting a prophet's aptitude to embrace their calling, like with Jesus, then then we, we land ourselves in a mental state of hell, maybe, these are a lot of incomplete thoughts. I'm I'm sorry I didn't really land on, on something too solid for you guys. But uh I I don't know. I, I think it could be fun to have an, a little afterglow after this and, and maybe talk through it because I'm posing more questions than I am answers about, about this specifically right now. And like I said, I'd like I'd like to unpack this potentially more maybe uh in the future. I just I was just kinda overwhelmed with how much I I bit off about trying to talk about this. It's it's a lot. Um so I'm, I guess I'll wrap up here with uh, Mark eight twenty seven, which even if you don't know that specific reference, that I think you'll probably know the um, the scripture here when when Jesus calls the rock uh, Peter his disciple, he calls him Satan. He refers to him as Satan. Um, ah, Ava likes that one. Ah, okay, so. Uh, Jesus had just asked, this is, so he just asked the disciples, um, you know, who do you say I am? Or, you know, who do people say I am? He said, they say John the Baptist or Elijah. He says, who do you think I am? And Peter tells him, you're the Messiah. And Jesus warns them not to tell anyone about this. And I don't, I don't think that that's because it's like some big secret they got to hide from everybody or anything like that. It, Maybe uh, maybe Jesus doesn't uh, he 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 doesn't he either doesn't agree or for some reason doesn't want people spreading that uh, that take right then anyway that's a whole other talk um, Jesus began so this is uh, Mark eight thirty one Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders and the priests and the teachers of the law. He'd be killed, but three days later would rise from the dead. Um, he talked openly with the disciples about this, but Peter took him aside and reprimanded him for saying these things. Jesus turned around and, and looked at the disciples and reprimanded Peter. So he's getting a little angry here. He says, get away from me, Satan, or get behind me, Satan, I think is probably the phrasing that that I grew up with. Um, you're seeing things merely from a human point of view not from God's. So 
Peter, I don't think Peter is doubting. I don't think Peter's being reprimanded for doubting um, the 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 assertion that that you know that God is God or that love is love. I think that he's being reprimanded for um, for for saying maybe maybe for for his self assuredness from saying I know how things need to work out. I know what is best here, and you don't. And um, and then Jesus calls him Satan, and I, th- I think maybe the only tie-in there is that that sometimes we can embody this energy, we can embody this um, like testing things and pushing things and quote unquote tempting, and I, I don't like a lot of that religious language, like like temptation or or things like that. But I, I think that he's being reprimanded for um, for doubting love maybe for for doubting that things will work out for 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 doubting humanity for doubting his his fellow man and 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 saying i need to be in control here i need to control this situation and make things work in the way that i want them to work because i know best or something like that um i don't know anyhow that's about all i got you guys right now I I want to keep unpacking this, and I, I feel like Kurt's laughing. Oh, boy. I feel like there's just a lot of roads to go with this. Um, and I'd like to unpack it with you guys. Maybe we could do a little, little Revolution Afterglow. Which, hey, for online listeners, it's a little plug. We've All the Afterglow episodes are updated now, so you can listen online to uh, all of those, to the congregation responding to these, these talks. Um, I feel like I let you guys down today. I really... I just I, I bit off more than I could chew. Uh, Revolution's a not-for-profit organization. Uh, so this is the old the old pitch. If you want to donate online, you can go to revolutionchurch.com. It takes you to our Tumblr, or you can uh, donate on Facebook. So, yeah, thanks for <laughs> giving me your time. The end. Hey, Revolution family, this is Caleb again. Um, in case you don't know, I, in, in addition to producing Revolution Church podcasts and talking sometimes when Jay can't, I also produce Revolution Church Afterglow, which is a discussion that the congregation has after every service that we upload whenever uh, whenever all the congregation is comfortable with whatever their comments are to in, in reaction to the service. Uh, whenever they're comfortable with that, we, we upload them. Uh, so this this is an interesting situation here because after that very scatterbrained sermon that you guys just heard that I gave or that scatterbrained talk, um, we had a really great discussion. And the congregation who are the majority of which are my very close friends um, really helped me to articulate and to uh, kind of clarify some of the thoughts that I was grasping at in that kind of chaotic talk that I tried to give. So I talked to Jay, and and he was fully on board for me to go ahead and connect this week's Revolution Church podcast episode with the Revolution Church Afterglow episode, just so that you, the listener, could hear... um, could hear some of those ideas kind of fleshed out a little bit better. I didn't want to just upload that talk by itself without it being connected to this conversation, this discussion that the physical congregation of Revolution had uh, in response to that talk. So 
Uh, I just want to kind of preface that what you're about to hear right now is the Revolution Church Afterglow episode that's connected to this talk. If, you, if you're interested in other Afterglow discussions, then you can find those online on whatever podcast app you use. At um, uh, the, the title of it is Revolution Church Afterglow. That's simple. So I just wanted to preface that a little bit just so that you're not too confused. And uh, we use room mics just so uh, we use more sensitive microphones uh, in the room that pick up a lot of kind of background noise and stuff like that. So what you're about to hear is going to be a little bit lower audio quality, but uh, just kind of bear with, I guess. And um, yeah, and enjoy. This is the congregation responding to uh, my my talk about Satan. The recording curtain. I'll be recording. Thanks. Can yes, I, this is after glow. Talk about my... Can I throw something at you? Rants, yeah. <laughs> Not literally throw something at you. No... Kind of what you were saying with that story with Peter, and you know when Jesus says "Get behind me, Satan." If I'm not mistaken, I pretty much think that Satan in the Bible, like we as Christians, in like probably the last three, four hundred years, that turned Satan into a literal bad demon, you know, evil thing. Where Satan really is just a word for like a deceiver someone who mm. deceives mm-hmm. so when Christ was saying get behind me Satan he was just saying get behind me deceiver like you're deceiving people in what you're saying and I think we look at we, my friend who's a pastor overseas says we give Satan and the idea of Satan too much power mm. and presence in our life when we're like well there has because like in most people's minds we're like if there's a good like a yin yang if there's a good it has to be a bad and in a lot of religions they're like that but it's like you see Jesus in the scripture and then it's like well since there obviously is this good God there has to be in essence this bad God but yet you read in scripture that Satan really doesn't have that much power right yeah so is it like is Satan like a force is it a entity right or is it more of like negative thinking uh-huh. of where yeah. like you're deceiving negative yourself thing. so it, yeah. so I think with like the way I look at Satan I don't believe in like a literal devil boogeyman whatever mm-hmm. but I think to me like Satan is like when you're going back to like scripture is like when Jesus says get behind me Satan it's like get behind me like deceiver like whenever you deceive yourself or you deceive others in essence you're being a Satan little S because Mm -hmm. I don't think there's a capital S Satan so I think we as Christians in the last number of centuries have made like Satan into this like evil boogeyman of like well there has to be good there has to be bad Yeah. and then like when you talked about Job you know when people are like oh well Satan really did that I'm like is Job really about God and Satan like having this duel or is it really that Job got everything taken away unfortunately and is Job more about suffering and like how do you if all this shit happens in your life Mm. and you have suffering which is the ultimate suffering what are you going to do with it are you going to stay steadfast in your faith Mm -hmm. or are you just going to crumble and fall yeah that's a good way to articulate because yeah going uh, it's interesting about the yin yang things going into it that's what I was thinking is like okay we'll just talk about the opposite of like if God is love then what's the opposite of love because like, it's always like this yin yang like opposing forces thing in, in our in our western understanding of it with God and Satan but then I started reading all this stuff and it was like man it's not really it's not like this clear cut like good versus evil like, like I said it sounds like what I'm saying sounds like I'm like pushing crazy. Satan's not so bad in the story but like I just I don't know I'm just trying to, to understand the, the 
writing about this character. And it's an ancient character. I think what you're trying to stress is that Satan or the devil is not what we think he is in contemporary terms. Right. I th- I still think he's negative energy. Yeah, for sure. And, and dark sure. energy, but not a literal horned entailed character that was right. portrayed in the Renaissance. Right. And Dante's Inferno. Um, you know, I still am not convinced that he's for the people. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not trying to say that. I swear to God, I'm trying to say that. You're recorded. <laughs> oh. Um, oh. It's out there. It's out there. What am I doing? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Saints going to get you now. <laughs> You're on the internet now. You're deceived. <laughs> Are you the deceiver? <laughs> <laughs> Open sheep's clothing. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, that does really beg the question like introspectively of you know what is Satan to us you know how are we bringing ourselves yeah. down um, what are the influences that are yeah. you know swaying our actions and mm-hmm. thoughts and stuff so. what I was you're helping me articulate it honestly like maybe we should do a take two on this what I was trying to ask is I don't think I think okay, let's say yeah Satan is a negative thing but I don't think it's as simple as just good versus evil. Yeah, I think, agree. Like, it's like, why is this a negative yeah, thing? What is he doing? What's his motivator? And why is why do we not want to be that? Why do we not want to be a Satan, you know, lowercase s or whatever? Like, like what is he? Because it seems like a consistent thread in how he deceives. And it's like, how can we not be that? How can we not embody that? Was what I, was trying, I should have said that during the talk. That's what I was trying to ask. I got you. Just dancing around it was... <laughs> Thank you, Robert, though, for articulating that for me. I feel like I'm in class. Can I? <laughs> can I? No. Um, can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> teacher, can I go to the bathroom? No. I think it would be interesting if you did continue to go. Like, if you are up here again in the yeah. future and you want to talk about Satan, um, I always when I talk about Satan, I always think of the Carmen song. You remember that Satan by the Dust? Yeah. Oh my God. That's terrible. I just used the Carmen reference. I used the Carmen reference. um, Shows me and my age. No, but like how we look at how other religions look at Satan, specifically like the Judeo-Christian. So like looking at like the Abrahamic religions like Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Because I want to pretty much say that like in Judaism, they're not hung up on like... Satan and hell like I think most Jewish people don't really believe in a literal hell or like a literal Satan where somehow as Christians we're just like kind of like going that yin yang like I'm good like we talked about a couple weeks ago where like there's so many family and friends of mine who are like well I'm a Christian because I have to do this 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 and this to get into heaven and we were like well I'm a universalist so I think everyone goes to heaven then people use the, the phrase where like well, then why am I going to church? Why mm-hmm. am I doing this? Why am I doing that? And it's Great like they question. missed the mark. And I feel like when we focus so much on Satan, not saying it's bad to talk about him, like you you are, but like with me, I, at the end of the day, I'm like, to me, Satan is this like villain we've, mm. we've created as, as a religion mm. to say, hey, if you don't follow what we preach and teach, then you're going to go to this bad place ruled by this bad entity or bad spirit or bad god named Satan. And it's, to me, it's like right. it's, it's, it's like a literary device when you read in like a book. Like, there's a good person, a hero. There has to be an anti-hero. There has to be a villain. And we have to realize that the Bible is literature. 
yeah. just as much as anything else. And so I, I really looked at it as like he's, we're making him into this villain, which is he really a villain? Yeah. Not saying I like him or right, it right. or yeah. whatever it is, mm. but. Yeah. I agree. I think like the super conservative evangelical, you know, that whole wing needs Satan. People. As a scapegoat. As a yeah. scapegoat. Yeah. Because yeah. they can sure. separate from black and white. Yeah. You know, I'm here, they're there. Yep. And yeah. as long as I'm in this little bubble, everybody else is deceived by Satan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This fictional creature right. that they created. So yeah. that's very interesting. That's really good. Yeah. It's like instilling fear in the people that are messing up because they can't, like, or I don't know, maybe people can't understand, like, where that's coming from, like, these evil spirits or something. So they have to. Yeah. Explain it in a category like that and put mm-hmm. it away from that. Yeah. That. And like simplify it, kind of. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Is like, I think we simplify. I'm not trying to <laughs> redeem the guy. Yeah, I didn't think that you were. Okay. Though, actually. I just heard myself I, talking. I was like, what the, what the hell am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't think so. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Appreciate you. I felt like it was kind of a checks and balances. Like, yeah. You know, like he's. Like, when you were saying. I haven't read that scripture, but when you were saying. Um, that you're acting like a human world instead of being in like oh God, right, like right, that right. part yeah. that was kind of like a human world is like these temptations these like unconscious urges or whatever that aren't supposed to be godlike maybe that was just my okay cool. interpretation mm-hmm. of it but yeah materialism maybe or yeah because Job isn't like sinning quote unquote by being rich. Yeah. Essentially, but then Satan's like, okay, well, what if we take away all that stuff? Then where's he at with you know with his world? How's he going to treat people? You know, and his friends get more pissed off than him about him losing his whole family dying. That's that's funny too. The the wording there to me is like, and and as the messenger was talking, this other guy comes in and start, like they're all just like talking over each other. Like before he had finished talking, another messenger yeah. came in and said, hey, by the way. Uh, Fire came from the sky and, and killed everybody. And, and this other guy runs in like, oh, oh, every, everything else is dead too. It's just like getting hit from all sides. Do you have anything, Kurt? Yeah. I will. I find it interesting that Peter is being called Satan because Peter is mm-hmm. supposedly the rock. The rock. I think Petra means yeah. rock. Yeah. Peter. In Greek. Is the rock that the church was built upon. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the case, maybe it gives us the ability to be like, well, hey, church, you're sort of being a little ass Satan right now. And, we're and there was a crazy... That'll preach. Tie-in. Yeah. There's a crazy tie-in to the satanic panic, as they call it, oh, yeah. I think from the 80s, where... There's all these news stories, like, satanic cults are going after kids and killing them and doing all these weird things. Well, this Hail Satan question mark movie that I saw, or a documentary, suggested that that whole satanic panic movement was really the church talking about bad things happening within the church itself, but they were projecting it outwards. Mm. So there was obviously this huge scandal of priests and young children where horrendous things were happening. That wasn't being put out into the news. Instead, it was this projection onto Satan is doing all 
all these weird things and seeking this yeah. thing. I mean, where it's really a mirror reflecting upon the church itself. Wow. And that ties back into the right. church could be a little less Satan, mm-hmm. but they project it out into some big ass Satan instead. Yeah. Wow. Do you think that's the scapegoatism again? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're scapegoating their own actions. Right. Or they were actions. at least. So. Yeah. And with their own churns, too. Yeah. They, they almost, like, create or sustain or, like, endorse the ideology of a of a figure of Satan to make it a scapegoat. Yeah. Like, I don't see Satan. Like, if I was if I was on a desert island, you know, without any human contact, I wouldn't come to a conclusion that there's a Satan. You know what I mean? But, but that's uh, kind of create, like I was saying, I shouldn't even touched on virtual entities because, like, that's a whole thing. And then I just... But like the whole idea of like a, a culture sustaining an idea of something, it's like they create the scapegoat. Luckily, I guess it's better than the Holocaust or something like using a whole people group as a scapegoat. But still, they're but then I guess they kind of are because they're they're saying oh you're possessed by by this thing, and so then you can apply that to anyone. Like oh they're just possessed or whatever. I, a year ago, I, I was staying with some uh, some friends when I first moved out here, and well like. Uh, they're friends with with my old uh, my old pastor, my old boss, because we used to work at a, a conservative church. And uh, but they put me up; they're great people, really nice people. No, nothing bad to say about them. But um, I, I, t- I told them about my, my depression and anxiety, and they're like, "This sounds demonic." <laughs> and that can get like that's fine if you think that, but like that can get in the way of treatment. Yeah. You know, and um, especially like. I am going to talk trash about this organization, uh, IHOP, Inter- International House of Prayer. My, you never heard of them? I think it's more of a Midwestern or Southern Midwestern thing. But uh, heard of pancakes. Yeah, pancakes. Yeah, not the not the pancakes. Oh, really? International no. House of Prayer. You've never really? heard of that? It's no. It's, it's the it's most. A, it's twenty four seven. It's twenty four seven nonstop prayer and like immersive ministry. Yeah, which is fine, which is great. Like you can go there whenever you want to pray or worship. And they do it, they have like a really cool style of uh, improvisational music. So like they don't do any rehearsed songs or anything. They have really good musicians, really good singers. They just make it up as they go, it's really cool flow. But then if you go into one of their prayer rooms, shit starts getting weird. They they don't believe in any mental health stuff. They like lay hands, they all about demonic. Uh, exorcisms and things like that. So my little brother is type one bipolar, really, really intense. Like lithium is the only thing that keeps this kid in reality. He has psychotic breaks about every three months, and I might have to take this out of the podcast because it's a little bit personal. I'm not going to say his name or anything like that, but but he has frequent psychotic breaks. He's been hospitalized multiple, multiple times for mental health stuff. He goes there searching. You know, he's he's a, he was agnostic. He's searching. He's trying to figure out life. He's eighth, you know, whatever. And they tell him to stop taking his meds, and they need to, he needs to come back, and they need to keep laying hands on him to exercise him of the demons that are causing this. The kid is, is sick. Not saying that negatively towards him. He is, he is afflicted. Mm-hmm. He has chemical imbalances, hereditary. You can trace them back, because they're all you know, through, my, through my blood on my, my mom and dad's side. And they're telling him to stop taking meds and to get hands laid on him. That's a that's that is a, the sickness there. I mean, yeah, fuck, I helped. <laughs> Sorry, I'll take that out too. No, um, I did want to say as well uh, the idea that there needs to be some counterbalance to 
to God, there needs to be like the equal part Satan sort of mm-hmm. equation, or the idea of yin and yang that you mentioned. I think that that sort of idea of balance uh, really goes against the the concept. I think that has been espoused here multiple times that there isn't wholeness in the universe. There's not completeness. There isn't some sort of balance that can be made. Things are messy. Things are complex. Mm. You need to be doubting the way that things operate because they're elusive and they sometimes don't make sense right out the gate or maybe they never make complete sense. But oftentimes in mainline Christianity, there's this idea that everything does make sense, that there is a whole picture, there is a complete narrative, and I think by breaking the idea that Satan is the counterbalance, we're also breaking the idea that there is balance at all. Maybe things are just complex and confusing, and maybe that's something we should embrace in and of itself. And uh, and that sort of mentality helps us, I think, mm. when we're looking at the church. Mm. You know, trying to think of the church as it's got its shit together, and so the counterbalance doesn't. So the Satan character or people that are that call themselves like the satanic temple that they must have things not complete mm. and figured out. Uh, mm. I don't know. I, like I just that. think that it, by not having this picture of this is good, this is bad, we're able to see the bad in the entities that call themselves good or in ourselves as well. It's like we have a harder time scapegoating other people if we don't see ourselves as whole and complete and have it all figured out. Like maybe there's wrong within us that we need to deal with ourselves and not just project it out onto Republicans or onto Trump or onto Christians or or mm-hmm. onto other people. Like maybe we've think. got conflicts that need figured out. And yeah. We should see the Satan within and try to fix ourselves. It's good man, I like a lot. It's interesting too that it kind of we keep talking about like it does create a scapegoat. Like talking about possession and stuff, but then it kind of also gives a free out to that scape because like it's not their fault; they're just possessed. So then, once you get rid of the possession, then you lose the scapegoat. Like I don't know. Like that's that's an abstract thing. You know, like, but they also think that you did something to be possessed. To be possessed. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Like you did something to be possessed. You touched a Ouija board at one point. Or something. something. Yeah. Some channel. Right. <laughs> or the iniquities of your, what is it, like the, the third and fourth generation. You're your parents right. messed up. <laughs> Which that's that's an interesting verse. That's, we could get yeah. into later. No, I think that there's honestly a lot of validity in that. I think that kind of goes back to mental health stuff, like yes. genetics and things like yes. that. Like you do inherit, and you inherit the cultural stuff. Like I wouldn't be associated with Christianity if it weren't for the cultural I wouldn't have come to that conclusion on my own. I wouldn't come to decide that... Like I said, the whole desert island thing. Like, I wouldn't decide Jesus 
was the Messiah, unless this he appeared. Hey, I'm the creator. Hi. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna come to that conclusion on your own. You inherit this, which isn't bad. And we're gonna, if any of us have kids or like, you know, interact with the next generation, we're, we're gonna give them our baggage too, to some extent. Sorry. I, I did want to say too about Job. Um, Job didn't necessarily curse God and say like. You know, here puts you messed up. You shouldn't have done this, and I hate you. But he definitely gave him the what for. He was like, "Why? Yeah. Why are you doing this, dude? Mm-hmm. Like, I have been a good dude, yeah. oh, and oh. you're taking all this stuff away from me. Right? And I think even, my family. Yeah, he even calls like God. Question. Yeah, he calls <laughs> God like, I want to face my accuser. Mm-hmm. Like, come and explain yourself, dude. Right. This makes no sense." And I think God comes back and he says, hey, you didn't curse me, but you did go a little too far by even questioning me. I think is God's response. I, I'd have to read it again. But I don't know. That seems like a lame response by God. It's like, didn't you expect this guy to come to, at you and be yeah, like, come at me. hey, why would you do this to right. a guy that you claim is the best the best yeah yeah like why would you do this and apparently it was because of a bet that god made (laughs) yeah that's good point it's like what are you doing god what were the stakes there yeah yeah what were they (laughs) a thousand rupees yeah can i get back into heaven god yeah but uh i don't know that's a really weird book i think that's a weird book isn't it and once again it's I like, I guess, the fact that it's not cut and dry. It yeah. brings up more questions and answers, much like your sermon today. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, I just didn't want to leave that hanging. Like, could Joe maybe was in the, or that was like still faithful after mm. all of it? He seemed to be like, what the hell, dude? Yeah. I don't understand what right. you're doing. Which maybe is better than cursing, you know? Yeah, it's for sure. better. But I think God still got mad at him for even questioning. So that leaves us in a rough spot. Mm-hmm. It's the same God. For we, sure. we question God a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I probably spent too much time on the tangent of, of uh, Jacob. Yeah. But um, I thought that was worth pointing out, though. I don't, even if the Bible straight up said like never question God, I, I wouldn't be like, oh well, that's what it says, so I endorse that. But like, I just thought it was important to point out that even in in this book, you know, questioning God, wrestling with God isn't always discouraged. But he still got his hip. Like, yeah, he got stuff. missed it. Yeah, and it was kind of it was kind of a low blow because he just like ping, he just touched. He it says he touched. Was it his hip? I think. Yeah, but they were wrestling the whole time. Yeah, they were he wrestling. And then, but the, and then Jacob got the upper hand, and so he just went bing. <laughs> He's yeah. like, ha! But then he still was like, "Let me go, dude." And he was like, "No, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me." That's yeah. a weird one. It's super weird. Yeah, it's a weird one. Old Testament's all pretty weird. Yeah, I'm proud. This is the first talk I've given and used any Old Testament. I'm kind of proud of myself, honestly. A little, <laughs> little pat on the back for that. It's hard to talk. 
Isaiah's not so bad. It's problematic. It's got servant wives. What the hell's a servant wife? Jacob, the the, the founder, like you know, his name is changed to Israel. His you know, his name is essentially changed to Judeo-Christian Western ideology, and he has servant wives. What is a servant wife? That sounds worse than a concubine or something. I don't even want to know what that is. And he gets, you know, he, he, I guess, I mean, in the story, he gets kind of messed over because he's trying to marry his cousin, and he works for, what, like seven years? Is it ten years? And uh, his uncle gives him the wrong cousin. <laughs> and then he has to work for another seven years. He marries Leah, and he wanted Rachel, he marries Leah, and then he has to work for another seven years to get to earn Rachel. What the hell is going on there? That's why you got to have a good lawyer, good contract. <laughs> Should have gotten in writing. Why a book writing lawyer? God or the devil? Right. <laughs> a good lawyer is that an oxymoron, bro? <laughs> Any other thoughts, you guys? No. Okay. Thanks for bearing with me. I will say, just as an afternote, I thought it was interesting. Uh, it's just, to me, it is crazy the things that people uh, cling to belief-wise. Because I, I, when I was reading up, uh, as, you know, trying to find all these stories and stuff, there's uh, an Old Testament account. Well, it was an article by this young guy, young guy, like probably about I don't know, 28 or something like that. Um, and he was talking about uh, you know creationism. He's like, it is a fact. The earth is 6,000 years old and was created in a literal, like all caps, literal, six days. And he's talking about how like Satan, um, he's like, and we know for a fact that Satan was cast down from heaven after the perfect earth was created, approximately 100 years into the life of Adam. 100 years after the earth was created, Satan was, it's just like, let's talk about something else. Like, it's fine if you think that, but like, why do you write articles about this? What's your point? I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Hang around and talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> nice meeting you. Me too. Nice chat. Hey, I mean, nice. I thought it was really good. Thank you. I actually didn't think you were promoting something okay, in any way. So, so that was my interpretation. Okay, I appreciate that. It's good to hear. Yeah. See ya. A post-Christian production.